Hello, colleagues, and welcome to the Assistant Principal Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Frederick Buskey. We are all on a leadership journey. Every day, we have a chance to grow. Every day, we have a chance to help others grow. My goal and the goal of this podcast is to help you grow into being a strategic leader, a leader who puts people before purpose, who solves problems instead of treating symptoms, and who understands the difference between progress and action. Through this podcast, my daily email, and virtual programs, I'm working to build a network of inspired and inspiring school leaders. Let's get started on today's adventure and this unique opportunity to learn to live and lead better. And the reflective conversation is where the magic happens. We capture what we do in the observation and we get better and better at it the more we do it. But it's the it's the conversation afterwards the next day is where the trust is built, where teacher where we get teachers to feel safe. So they do embrace taking risks. So do you want to dive into the uh, the post-conference? Sure. So can, everything- Can I give you a scenario and then we can speak to that? Okay. So I observed a middle school math teacher a couple of weeks ago. Yep. And she was working very hard. Yep. Teaching her heart out presenting concepts. Kids were attentive, but uh -huh. she was not doing anything to get feedback from students to see if they were actually getting the concepts. Uh -huh. Now, I guess in the post-conference, you may not necessarily railroad the conversation or steer the conversation specifically to that. There may be a number of different things. Can you, can you just take start to take us through a post-conference of something like that? Have I given you enough to play with? I think so. I mean, I... It Sure. Uh, I think we want to go through just the general process and then okay. we can address that specifically. And so not having seen that, I will say that, and I see, you know, 15 or so teachers every week. And, and so formative assessment might, might not be at a high level. Those checks for understanding might not be at a high level. During that, and we, we, when we do our 20 minutes, I just want to say we, we, track it so we see you at the beginning the middle or the end we even mark b m or e on our tracking spreadsheet so we see so it depends where we're at in the lesson if it's the first 20 minutes i'm going to see less of that uh, often and i mean we can argue about reasons you should see it all and i wouldn't disagree at all points of the lesson but usually at some point if the kids are doing their work in the class and if it's the math teachers do tend to be the most traditional in my experience sorry to offend some math teachers out there and they're not all like that but even in the most traditional, the last 10 minutes, they're working on problems before they do the rest is homework. And, and I would suggest that probably during those last 10 minutes when the kids were working, the teacher was going around and doing at least some informal checks on that. And so maybe I'm wrong. And if they were just sitting there at their desk while I was in there observing, that would be very concerning to me because uh, do I have, do I go into rooms where sometimes teachers are sitting and they get up as soon as I get there and, and they start doing it. And I, am I pretty sure that had I not been in there, they would have continued to sit. Sure. But at least they know to fake it, which tells you that's a good step. I mean, it's a good understanding to work with because you work with people where they're at. Okay. So what I'm going to say is that it is all about trust. Brene Brown, who I think we all know now, she talks about, vulnerability and trust and risk-taking and how they all go together. And so she says vulnerability in and of itself is not a bad thing. It can be a good thing 
but we want to lower vulnerability enough so people are willing to overcome the uncomfortable feelings to take that risk to try something new. And trust plays a vital role in that. And so when she talks about building trust, she references a, a jar and it's about putting a marble at a time into a jar to build that jar up so there's enough trust so they're willing to take risks. And, and I just always add to that when I'm, when I'm at schools talking to leaders is as a school leader, every, you are under a microscope and every single thing you can do, you do, can build trust or inhibit trust. And so I just, I say that not to scare people, but just to have people be cognizant of the tone in an email. Email's tough to read, right? The, what I put in the next week's news uh, newsletter, any interaction that I have with the student, any interaction that I have with the teacher, whether it's seen or not, it gets it gets conveyed. So every single thing we do matters and can, can put marbles in the jar or, or take them away. And so I just, I want to point that out as well. So how do we build those trust? How do we put those marbles in the jar? So the very first thing we do is we have the reflective conversation in the teacher's room. And we always say, whether you're seven, 17 or 37, getting called to the principal's office feels like getting called to the principal's office. And tell me, you haven't had a time where uh, along the way as a teacher, the principal sent you an email saying, hey, could you come on down? I want to talk to you about something. And it could be to praise you for something. But our first thought is always like, oh my gosh, what did I do? And it's just, it's normal. So having it in their room, it makes an enormous safety difference. And that's putting a marble in the jar. The next thing we do is when we go into the reflective conversation, we just go to the room and we ask permission. Hey, is now a good time? It seems like a tiny little thing and maybe it is, but it's a little respect. 99% of the time, because they want to have the conversation, even if it's just to get it over with, they'll say yes. But it, that's a marble in the jar as well. The next thing that we do is when we come into the room, we sit beside them, not from across, not across from them. Uh, psychology on hierarchy uh, of relationship, work relationship shows that if we sit across from each other, that magnifies uh, the hierarchical difference. If we sit beside you, that minimizes the difference. And we think that's a marble in the jar as well. And we were talking about our kids before we got started. And I bet you can relate to this. Some of those teenage years, getting our kids to talk about things was like pulling teeth. But somehow you go on a hike or you're in the car and they're beside you or behind you or in front of you and not face-to-face. -face. They're more comfortable talking. And we think the same thing happens with adults. So that's a marble in the jar. The next thing is we're completely transparent. Like you and I are looking at each other on a screen right now. The form is right in front of us. It's here. You're sitting beside me. You can see it. I'm not hiding anything. We think that's a marble in the jar as well. So that's even before we get started. We put those marbles in the jar. So how do we start? We start not by talking and telling. We start by asking. And we think that's a handful of marbles in the jar. I value you. I value what you think. I honor you as a professional. So we do that and we ask two questions. We went over them briefly, but I'm gonna, they've been modified slightly. So the very first question is, what were you doing, pedagogically speaking, to help students learn? And we think we put a marble in this when we unpack that question, because we always say, look, I want to hear about the 20 minutes that I was in there. But sometimes at, when you're being observed, you think, oh, you just missed the best part. It was, it was going to be right after you left or it was right before you came. And so we let them know, feel free to talk about that too. And the adding that comfort is a marble in the jar. So we take down their answers. We write down what they say. We paraphrase. We work on reframing their language into the pedagogical language of the form. 
And then we share it back with them. So that's really active listening. That's a marble in the jar, sharing it back with them, confirming, getting on the same page. That's a marble in the jar. And then we'll say, is there anything else? And it's amazing how often just by sharing it back, that will draw out more information from them. And so we think those are all marbles in the jar. The second question we ask is, if you had the opportunity to reteach the lesson, what, if anything, might you do differently? And we have marbles of trust for that one as well. So we always say that, look, teaching is super hard. And I always say, because it's true, because I have the experiences, like I've seen hundreds of lessons where over those 20 minutes, I wouldn't recommend you do anything differently because I thought you nailed it. And so I want you to know that if you feel like you nailed it, celebrate it. Don't feel like because I'm the boss, you need to manufacture an answer. And then I also say at the same time, we know generally as teachers, we usually tend to think, oh, I wish I would have. So this is your opportunity to do that. But we think unpacking that is, is trust marbles in the jar. So the same thing. We listen attentively, attentively, we write down their answers, we share it back with them. We think this next thing is a reverse marble in the jar. We don't ask, is there anything else? Because on that question, if we ask if there's anything else, they might think, oh, what did you see? What did I do wrong? And so by not asking that, we think that builds trust too or maintains trust. So after we ask those two questions, the very first time we do the observation, we don't necessarily do this every time. With some teachers, we might feel they need to hear it more, but we tell them what the goal of trust-based observations is. And we just say, look, I wanna tell you what the goal of trust-based observations is. It's for me and every other person in the building <clears throat> who does observations to build a trusting enough relationship with you and every other teacher in the building so that any one of us can come into your classroom, observe you, see you trying something new, and even though it's highly, highly unlikely, have it be a disaster, a train wreck, yet at the end of the 20 minutes when we leave, you're not worried. Where normally you'd be thinking, oh my gosh, this is my observation, this has happened. You're not worried at all because you know what's gonna happen the next day. You know the next day when I come into your classroom, I'm gonna say, I love it that you were taking a risk. High five, fist bump or whatever. And then we just tell them because when we've created those conditions, this is what's gonna happen. You're gonna persist in taking risks. Every other teacher in our building is going to persist in taking risks. And when that happens, we are necessarily going to grow as individuals and collectively and help our students learn better. And so I, we can I can I interject there? Because um, you know, I I think again, you're talking about transparency, right? So just queuing in listeners, that's that's a big theme here is transparent. And I think there are a lot of times when we're not for whatever reason, we hesitate to be straightforward with teachers and say, hey, this is this is what we're trying to do. This is the purpose here. And you're talking about adding mar marbles to the jar. So from here on out, every time that I model or reinforce this trust base, I'm adding more marbles to the jar because we're doing what we said we would do. Absolutely. And it's, it's vital. <clears throat> so at that point, then, we just go through the form and we share what we capture over the form over and over and over. And it's sharing of strengths. And the, again, the form is so specific. One thing I didn't mention about the form, I actually, it doubles as a professional development resource tool. So for each one of the nine areas of pedagogy, we have the word toolbox possibilities listed, then a list of little strategies that would fit under helping you be more successful in that category. If you click on each of the toolbox possibilities, that brings you to another page that starts, each one of them starts with a deep dive. Here are some books if you really want to get into relationships or descriptive progress feedback or whatever it is. Then here's some general strategy articles. And then here's actionable articles or videos or whatever that you could look at and go into right on your own. And so 
it's a resource right at the teacher's fingertips. And I'll just tell you the visual nature of the form and just by going over the form with them, it is amazing. We always ask teachers the first round of a training when we do a training. So now you've had the trust-based observation. What do you think about it? Whether you want to compare it to other models or not is up to you. And one of the things that teachers regularly say is, I'm already thinking about what to get better at without you even saying anything. And it's just because of the visual nature of the form and we're sharing strengths and we're doing things to minimize their fear so they're able to look at it more openly. And so anyway, so we go over that and we just share it. And then at the end, we're transparent as well. And we share the form with them immediately. Like here, boom, electronically, it pops right into your email. And I'll tell you, the first three rounds... Uh, we do not offer suggestions. Now, there's exceptions for brand new teachers where maybe the, the class is functioning so poorly or if there was something so egregious behaviorally where I, I, I didn't feel like I, like I felt like I needed to jump in, but we wait. And, and I'll just say that some people say, well, wait, how can you wait? Because we have to do things now. And I'll just say, look, we haven't been moving the needle. I already explained the research says that. So if I have to wait nine weeks, to begin to ask a, uh, ask permission to offer a suggestion, but now you're willing to work with me more than you would before, isn't it worth it? And so that's where we leave it. And then as early as the fourth visit, we can begin to offer suggestions. But even then, that's different. And I think it's, it's important that we talk about this. One, we ask permission to offer a suggestion. And that's a big trust marble thing. And people will sometimes say, well, what if they say no? And all I can tell you is in all the time I've done this, I only had one person say no. I like to joke because it's true uh, that she was French. But if we take away the, the negative French stereotype, really, we don't know what her trauma was with observation before. So she wasn't ready. So I said, no problem at all. And then two or three months later, I brought it up again. And, and, and she was out open to it at that point in time. So one, we ask permission. Two, it's supported. It's not, hey, I want you to get better at formative assessment. And I want to talk about the ways that we support. So because we're in classes so much more now, we know in our building who is best at what. So one of the ways is we might go up and say, Frederick, you like our differentiation master. I've got a teacher that could really benefit from your expertise. Would you be willing to help them out? No one ever says no to that, by the way. <clears throat> so then I go and I set that up. Or I dig into the toolboxes and I find an article or two that's an actionable article and I've got that ready so we can go over that together and talk about how we can even begin to put this into practice tomorrow. The third way, which we don't need to do as much, is that we also uh, could send them to a, a training somewhere. But usually the first two ways tend to cover it. And then the other piece is now when am I seeing you? In three or four weeks. It's not next semester. So then I, that's where I kind of become instructional coach and I'm able to support and continue to have conversations. And we focus you on that one thing. We don't pile on and we wait till we get you help support you to get to where you're at at that level before we help you grow. And that's really, that's how it works. It's not, it's not rocket science. Craig. And I love the, the comment you just made is we don't pile it on. We focus on that one thing. And I, I met with a principal assistant principal and instructional coach and, and we were talking about putting some processes in place for improving their observation process and and how they focused on teachers and and one of the things they realized was all three of them had been in a teacher's room the past week all three of them had offered you know i wonder type statements uh -huh. and all three of them focused on something completely different 
No, it, what is a teacher supposed sure. to focus on? No, for sure. You know, and just bringing it back to your question about that or your, your scenario with a teacher informative assessment. So I'm going to, so if there wasn't zero formative assessment, I'm just not going to talk about it. I'm just going to, I mean, we unpack the form the first time through, but after that, I would just talk about, it. but even if it was like what I suggested it was, it was just a teacher, teacher lad and it was, it was fine, but not really where we'd want to do. And there weren't checks along the way. Then I just, I'd take a mental note of that. And so then when it does become that fourth time, again, I might decide that formative assessment is the area that I want to work on, but I'm looking in the totality of that person's teaching for the first four visits and saying, from what I've seen so far, what's the one of those nine areas that by supporting that teacher's growth in that is going to have the biggest impact on teaching and learning? So maybe it's that formative assessment. And if it is, then it works the way we talked about. But if it's not, then I think, oh, no, I think this actually has to happen. Like, let's just say their management was so poor that the formative assessment didn't really matter, right? Then then we're going to work on that first. And so we factor all those, all those considerations into how we're how we're going to support the teacher or what the best way to support the teacher's growth is. So in, in that example, I think I jumped the gun a, a little bit because what I implied is you as the observer are the, are the expert and that you can direct what I need to focus on. And one thing I've seen is if we have five principals watch a lesson, there's probably going to be at least three different things that people say are the most important thing to focus on. And it, it seems like there are a lot of opportunities in this model that the teacher can say, hey, you know, I, I realize it going to that collaborative learning or there's some other aspect of those nine that I feel I really need to improve on. Do Does the model accommodate that for the teacher driving that focus if there's not a total, you know, meltdown going on in a specific area? 100%. And, and I'll just say that like I said, the form is so specific that teachers regularly say, I'm already thinking about what to get better at. And, and I'll tell you, when we when we have training, we'll have frank discussions behind closed doors. And, and if I if I see something that's concerning to me, to, to slightly, to majorly, I express it with the other leaders that we're training. And, and one of the things that happens surprisingly often and refreshingly often is when we ask question two about what you might do differently, because that's the first time I've seen those people, right? I'm new to that building that week. It, it, how frequently the teacher will mention that that area as the area that they'd like to get back on and get better at, and or they'd like to change. And it's such a it's such a glorious feeling to know that that self awareness is there. And so the form will happen, and people will do that on their own. And so yeah, anytime it can be self guided, that's great. And so yeah, we absolutely do that. I mean, if people ask for help before we're ready to do it. Like, what can I get better at now? I I tend to say, look, this is new to us. And I encourage our leaders to say that, that we're training. And we're just taking a new look at teaching. So just, we'll, we'll, we'll get there, I promise. But yeah, no, it, it, it's collegial dialogue about practice. It's not, I mean, do I know these nine areas of pedagogy pretty dang well? Because I go in and look for them every day. And so will everyone else in your building. And you talk about maybe the three or four different visions of what that what that area is, I find that as we get used to it because the form is so manageable, we all tend to be pretty much in the same place though about what we think that that area for growth is that's the most important. It, it's I, th I don't know how or why I'd love to tell you I planned it that way, but it does tend to work that way. 
Wow. Okay. This, this has been great. <laughs> I think I want to start to wrap this up here. This has been a lot and, and I appreciate how you've just walked us through the process. And I think this has been really concrete for everybody listening. And again, we're going to have links to all of your stuff, Craig, so that people that listen to this podcast that think this really holds a lot of promise. And, and I would suggest to listeners, you really need to take a closer look at this because there's just so many strong practices that are so critical in way in improving the ways that we can work with teachers. Um, I'm you've you've converted me. I'm a fan. <laughs> Thank you. So, uh, as we wrap up, let me begin. What's part of your own leadership that you're still trying to get better at? Hmm. I, you know, I'm uncomfortable with like the whole like like semantics matter to me, and like I don't even think of myself as a leader. I don't know. I don't. I don't. I'm not comfortable with those kind of words, and and I just think I just. I stumbled upon this way and I am super passionate about it and, and want to help and support people grow. Um, I think sometimes I can be a little, I, I have room to be more patient with my own listening. I think sometimes when I'm in a training and I'll hear somebody say something, I think I'll know where they're going and jump in where I could benefit more and build a little better trust still myself by hearing that all the way out and even pausing a little more. And, and I think I'm a good listener. I have room for growth there still. And so that's, that's an area for me, even though I'm the TVO guy that and talks about listening, but I have, I have room for growth there. I love that. Thank you. Is there anything else that you want to share today with listeners? I just want to add one other piece is that that's the model itself, but that there's more to it than that. It's there's a comprehensive nature to it where we add professional development communities tied to these nine areas uh, of pedagogy that meet once a month. They're teacher led. We tap into our, our, our strengths of our teachers and teachers create an annual action research smart goal that's tied to that. And we give them teacher autonomy in choosing which one of those nine areas they want to work in. And that doesn't mean we can't guide a teacher or two to where we want to do. So we're really supporting purposeful growth where teachers have autonomy in these areas of pedagogy. And I'll also add to that, we had a, for another question, which is talk to me about your progress on your action research goals. So we feel like we're supporting growth every single time by doing that. And I can tell you just as a, as a teacher, I very earnestly wrote goals at the beginning of the year and then received an email from the principal in May saying, we're going to go over your goals and end your evaluation and gulped and went back and looked and I, you know, somehow made incidental progress. But I think we've really, really set you up in all ways to support your growth and pedagogy, not just through the observation process, but through our, through our deeds of, of, of having continuous monthly PD uh, around actionable PD on how to get better on these areas. Well, I love that because there are so many, there's so many pieces of this that we already have in place. We already have the structures there, but what you're doing is pulling them in and, and helping, help making them part of a coherent unified process. You've given us a lot to think about, but if leaders could just walk away with one thing today 
from this podcast episode, what do you want them to walk away with? I don't want this to sound critical. What we are doing with observation right now is not improving teaching and learning. We're at a critical area of teacher shortage and, and retention in, in the U.S. and frankly in the world. And, and I think this contributes largely to it. And so I think we have to be willing to go bold and take risks and stop trying to push this wall that's not moving, thinking somehow if we do it better or differently, we're going to make it better and try something new. This works every single week that we do a training. I see how it flips a culture of a school just like that. And I see how passionate and engaged everyone is and, and, and it will grow teaching and learning. And so I'm just ask you to consider thinking outside the box and trying something new. And I think everybody can hear your passion in this. And so if people want to reach out and follow up and get in touch with you, what are the easiest ways to do that? So the website is trustbased.com. So that's easy. Uh, my email is craig at trustbased.com. Uh, I'm on Twitter, trustbasedcraig. Uh, I'm on LinkedIn and, and uh, Facebook too. I'm from Tacoma, Washington. So Craig Randall, Tacoma, Washington, if you're looking up. So any of those ways, reach out. I'm, I'm happy to help anybody. Right. I love it. Craig, thanks so much for coming on today. This has been wonderful. Thank you, Frederick. It's been, a, it's been a, a, an honor and it's been a lot of fun. Well, colleagues, this brings us to the point in the episode where it's your turn to participate by making an intentional choice. If you do nothing with what you've just heard, then you've spent the last 30 or so minutes being entertained. But if you choose to do something based on Craig and I's conversation, then you will have made an investment in your own leadership. If you've heard me talk about the flywheel, this is another example of what it can look like in your school. If the idea of building trust and establishing a collaborative teacher development system appeals to you, please follow up by doing one of the following. Consider reaching out to Craig at craig at trustbase.com or order the book and we'll put the link in the show notes below. Alternatively, forward the show link to a colleague and say, you've got to listen to this. I want us to talk about it and think about doing it in our school. Remember that sharing a new idea from a third party source like this podcast is a powerful way to develop shared understanding. Finally, if you feel you're so stuck in the black hole of urgency that you really can't focus on building that observation system right now, please email me at frederick at frederickbuskey.com. Share with me what's going on and hopefully I can get you some support. Remember that my focus is on that journey, the journey from urgent leadership to strategic leadership, to that place where you really can focus on and invest in something like trust-based observations. Thank you for including me on your leadership journey. Remember that you can walk more with me by subscribing to my daily leadership email and quadrant two, my monthly micro journal. And if that isn't enough, we can walk further together in Apex, my virtual paid community for assistant principals. Apex helps you network with other APs and participate in group coaching with me. You can learn more about Apex and my other offerings at my website at frederickbuskey.com. I look forward to seeing you again on Friday when we recap this week's daily emails. I'm Frederick Buskey, and thank you again for joining me on this episode of the Assistant Principal Podcast. 
Remember to subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. Cheers.